0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. If you're perhaps uh, fresh to church, uh, particularly perhaps if you're a bloke, you're probably thinking at this particular point, and how long's this going to be? And uh, that is a good question. And uh, uh, I'm on a clock at the back, and uh, we won't be too long, but we believe that God creates faith in our lives through the word of God I'd like to share something from the word of God this morning and we're praying that it'll touch people as the seed is scattered and uh, bless so again sit back and Morgan's at the back and he's going to help me put up the outline of the message on the screen Uh, so you may not have a bible but I'm going to put some bible verses up and uh, and, uh, we uh, we encourage you just to follow through. So that's the title of the message, This Is Us. And here's the first verse I'd like us to think about. It's found in Colossians 1 and verse 16. There we go. And it's from the Message Bible, which is a paraphrase Bible, courtesy of a great American pastor. It says, Everything got started and finds its purpose in him. That is Jesus. Everything got started and finds its purpose in him, Jesus. This little series that we run in late autumn before we come to our Christmas time, this is it's really just re-emphasizing purpose. If you go onto the Arena Church website, and it's just simple, just Google Arena Church, it'll take you there, you'll find that we have a, a vision statement, but also a purpose statement. And uh, What we're seeking to do in these next few weeks as we increasingly emerge out of this amazingly challenging time caused by the pandemic that's affected every one of us is to re-emphasize and uh, re-connect with our purpose, that we live together, we do church on purpose. And this is what it is, and this is what you'd find on the website, is to go and grow and to love and serve our world. To go and grow and to love and serve our world. Now, last week, uh, Christian was here. I was in Balpert and we were dealing with the word go. In a moment, briefly, I'll deal with the word grow. But before we do that, let me just uh, talk a little bit about purpose. And we've got a definition for purpose on the screen and it's this. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exist you did that on purpose now sadly many people in life are not doing things on purpose they are aimless they don't know why they're doing this they don't know why they're doing that they don't know why they're getting involved in that they've no sense of purpose but purpose is a reason for doing something or created for which something exists it helps us to answer two questions very clearly number one why are we here? I'm talking about the church now. Why are we here? And number two, if we weren't here, would we be missed? Ooh. Some years ago, we had a, an Australian pastor friend come through the church and he posed that question. If you didn't exist in Arena, would you be missed in the town? And I, I remember going to Christian saying, mate, I'm saying this with absolute humility, but the reality is we can answer that question, yes. If we weren't here, many, many people that are helped in a practical way, week on week, would miss us. That's a good thing. For any local church, if it's not there, it's missed because we are living on purpose, on purpose. Now, this purpose has come out of prayer, it's come out of unity, it's come out of vision, it's come out of collaboration, intent, action and so much more. Here's four things about purpose. And uh, if you've got a, a, a sense of purpose over your life, the principles work for you as well. Number one, simplicity. Simplicity. To go and grow and love and serve our world. A simplicity, even though in a growing church and charity, there's lots of complexity. Our executive pastor, Julie, is in Mansfield this morning. Many of you know her. And she runs a team of people that have to deal with uh, finance, charity law, safeguarding, risk assessment, uh, policies. Did you know we have a group of people in our church, their bedtime reading is the church policies of the church. Wow. So if you've got an insomnia problem, please come and talk to me because these policies, and they, they dot every I and cross every T. It's a gift. But there are layers of complexity. You don't have to worry yourself about them. Julie and the team are graced to deal with all of this. The other week I stood up and said how the charity was moving from what was the old Model D to a CIO. It was a relatively smooth thing to announce and transition, but hours and hours had brought us there. So underneath the complexities of our life, we must keep it simple. Keep it simple. Parenting is very complex at times. But ultimately, keep it simple. Secondly, purpose has clarity. Clear, not foggy. To go and grow and to love and serve our world. Number three, it has repeatability. You don't have to have a degree in nuclear physics to repeat, to go and grow and love and serve our world. It's just straightforward. Everybody can get it. In fact, the heart of the church is that if you've been in the church any length of time, it says, what's the purpose statement to the church? Oh, it's to go and grow and love and serve our world. Repeat them. And then longevity. In other words, you've not got Christian coming next week saying, we're changing it all. And then, and then the first week of January, we're changing it all. I, I knew a pastor once, and he said to me, he says, I keep changing things in our church because I get bored. What he didn't realize was he was freaking the church out. I'm sad to say that that church that he was leading doesn't exist anymore because he had no longevity about purpose. He got bored. He wanted to change it. He wanted to tip over the tables and the people, they just got confused. So that is our purpose, work, simplicity, clarity, repeatability and longevity to go last week, this week, to grow. Here's our Bible verse to think about for a moment. This is found in the New Testament of the Bible and it's the last verse of the second book by Peter. Peter was a great disciple and apostle of the New Testament. 1 Peter, 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, The the reason that the books of Peter were written was to encourage people. In the first century, the Christian church was growing amazingly. But lots of people didn't like it. It's what we call opposition or persecution. And I'm telling you, the the opposition was fierce. Some people had to leave their homes. They had to leave the community that they'd grown up in. Such was the opposition to the faith. It's what we call the scattered or the dysphora, the Christian dysphora. So Peter addresses these letters to the scattered to encourage them. Even though their faith is being tested, he says it's more valuable than gold. And today, if you feel sometimes that you're opposed for your faith, be encouraged because you have something more valuable, not as valuable, more valuable than gold. And right at the end, it's not a pulling back it's an expansion, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. As Peter speaks in this letter about calling and about the coming of the Lord, he says grow in the faith. Now, here's a definition for grow, courtesy of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Grow. Grow. To become larger or greater over a period of time. Some of us sometimes grow in the wrong ways, you know what I mean? But to become larger or greater over a period. The second thought for grow is increase, increase. The third thing is to spring up, developing to maturity, expanding. And fourthly, to promote development. Now, without any sense of collusion, it just seems to me to be a wonderful coincidence this morning that at a dedication service for four amazing youngsters, we're talking about growing. We're talking about growing. Because growth is natural, normal, and expected. We've got little Dakota there in his mum and dad's arms this morning, just a few weeks old. But the expectation is that that little lad, before too long, He's going to be racing around and getting stronger and bigger. I've watched it with my own little grandson, Caleb. You know, he's four and a half now. I'll come back to him a little later if I remember. He's big. He's strong. When he crashes into you, you know, you you know it. Because there's a natural expectation for growth. Now, let me try and illustrate this. Because when I was early in ministry many, many years ago, a wonderful family in the church where I was pastor invited me to go and see members of their family that were Christian believers, and it proved to be a very moving afternoon. They warned me a little bit about the situation before we got there, but what was this, what was the case was that there were three children in this other family, and sadly they all suffered from a a, 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 a genetic. Uh, Issue uh, that caused stunted growth. If I can say it sensitively, I'm not talking about dwarfism. It it was something different to that. But it stunted their growth. So the father brings his eldest daughter, and, you know, she's just talking, and he said to me, Phil, how, how old do you think my daughter is? And I was sort of embarrassed. He said, she's 15. She looks seven. She looks seven. And it was it was clearly painful for them, and it was painful for me on that afternoon. In all of that, their faith remained strong in the Lord. Why, why did we feel a bit of a recall internally? Because the natural expectation is for growth coming to maturity, springing up, expanding, increasing, and developing, and growing. It's part of the DNA of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in the next few minutes, and it will be the next few minutes, I'm just going to bullet point five things that I think are important regarding growing. Number one, growing spiritually. What do I mean by that? I mean growing on the inside. Somebody said that the matters of the heart are the heart of the matter. We're always feeding the outside. We're always thinking, if this is okay, then everything will be okay. And as we look around the world, we think that when everybody's got it like that okay, then it'll all be okay. You know, oh, if I could lose weight like Adele, you know, everything would be okay. But with the greatest respect, she's got a broken relationship as well. So she's having to navigate things through. You know, oh, if I could look like him, you And we always think it's the outside, but the most important is the inside, the heart, the real, real you. And when we encourage people to receive Jesus Christ into their heart, we're basically saying that we open our life to a change, a change. And we allow him to deal with the things that have gone wrong. The Bible calls it sin. To forgive us and to wash us and to give us a fresh start. Now, how about this for a question? I was at my daughter's at the beginning of the week. Uh, we were just, I took Sharon up, just staying, coming back. And my grandson, Caleb, four and a half, he's getting ready for school. And he gives this real theological question to his mum. I'm listening. He's very logical. He loves to take things apart and put things back together. And he says, mummy, he says, How can Jesus, being a man, come and live in my heart as a man? She says, ask your granddad. (laughs) (laughs) This is at 25 past eight on Monday morning, you know. (laughs) Good question. Good question. He's thinking it through. And of course, it's not a literal man. The literal man, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And one day, he's going to come again to this earth and receive us to himself. In the meantime, he sent his Holy Spirit into the earth to make Jesus as real to us as if Jesus was in the flesh. I didn't tell him all that at 25 past eight. (laughs) And so we know something takes place in our lives. It's what's being called born again. Or the theological term is to be regenerated, to make, be made alive on the inside. We've had people come to this church. I'm looking live, right to left. They walked in. They thought, well, what's this? Got a bloke on the guitar. And he, can he play? And uh, and they were dead. They you know, didn't get... But something happened on the inside when they said, Lord Jesus, I've made a mess of it. Will you come and live in my life in the power of the Spirit? And I devote myself to following Jesus. We become born again and we start to grow spiritually. Not talking about spookily, I'm on about spiritually. We start to grow on the inside. And I put John 15 1 to 8 there because it talks there. Remember that the Bible was written in an Eastern culture about a vine and branches. The climate of the UK doesn't lend itself to a lot of vineyards. But the Middle East does. And it talks there about relating to Jesus, abiding, remaining in him. It talks about submitting to Jesus. When he's pruning, I'm hopeless in the garden. you know, I'm good at cutting the lawn, but I'm hopeless. I mean... Our Sharon's put up with me with my horticultural skills. I don't know, I've killed more flowers than you'll ever know. But I'm fascinated with people that grow rose bushes because at certain times of the year they're pruning. <sighs> then you've ruined it, you've ruined it, you've, you've cut, you've ruined it. No, 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 no. We'll get more fruit next year, we'll get more flower next year because we prune properly. And as you begin to grow as a Christian, the father comes in G- and he starts to woo. And all he's wanting to do is to cause you to grow and grow and grow. And as we submit to his pruning, sometimes reluctantly. Anybody having an argument with God saying, God, please move on to something else? He said, no, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with... Th-. Anybody got up from prayer and then the next time you go to pray, you think God's forgot about what he said last time? And it's the first thing on the agenda, you know, he's pruning, all for our good. And then believing, believing so that we might bear forth much fruit. Somebody says, what happens when we live God's way is he brings gifts in our lives much the same as fruit appears in the orchard. And honestly, I sit at home sometimes and I think about people in Arena and I just have a smile on my face because I realise where they were and what they've become and what they are becoming. And it's all growing spiritually. Secondly, briefly, growing numerically. It says in Acts 1.27 that we are to be fruitful and multiply. And then it also says in Acts 2.47 that the Lord added to his number daily those that were being saved. 12 became 120, 120 became 3,120. And then by the time we get to Acts chapter 6, bear in mind it was written by a doctor who was Luke, who was interested in detail. He stops counting and calls it multitudes. Do you realise that today it's estimated, and I'm talking about the broad sweep of the Christian church, that there are over 2 billion believers in the earth. You get that little whisper, (laughs) huh? Yeah, if you become a Christian, you'll all be on your own. Somebody will think you're weird. There's two billion of them in the earth. And did you realize that 25% of the Christian population, that's 500 million, now live in the continent of Africa? A hundred years ago, there were hardly any Christians in Africa. God has done a remarkable thing. As people have stepped out by witnessing, pioneering, repurposing, believing, sacrificing, and yielding, Jesus is building his church. Do you realise that 25% of all people that have ever lived in the history of time are on planet earth today? 7.8 billion people and God wants to bless them. Some of you know about three, four years ago, Sharon and me were away from this church for about 18 months on succumbent in a church in Manchester, a great historic church that needed to find some sense of repurpose. I remember one day talking about New people coming to the church, and new people being saved. And this old chap came up to me after, and there were some wonderful people in the church. Please hear my heart and my spirit. This old chap came up to me after and says, it's all right you going on, you know, when you know you're know, you in for a word. It's, it's all right you going on like that. He says, I like it small. I, want, I don't want it to change. I want it to be just like that. Bear in mind, and I have authenticated witness of this, that this church on a Sunday in its heyday was 1,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. It were now about 100. And we like it like this. I know everybody. I want to stay small. Those of you who know Manchester, if you, if you put an M60 circle around Greater Manchester, there's 3.5 million people, and we want to stay small. Let me tell you, Arena Church wants to grow. It wants you to be part of our church. It wants you to go on a journey. It wants you to think you can bring your family. It wants you to be a welcome because we want to grow numerically. That verse in Acts used to freak me out that God added to the church daily that we're being saved. I mean, we're the best will in the world. I've said to God, God, we're the best will in the world. There aren't people getting saved every day in Arena. He says, I know that but there's people getting saved every day in the church of Jesus Christ across the world. Oh, it's true. This week, thousands of people have become believers in Jesus. Thirdly, growing missionally. Acts 1.8 was a statement of prophetic intent. Jesus says, You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what are you on about, Phil? We don't live in Jerusalem. No, I know. We live in Ilkeston. But, you need to take the principle of it so the Jerusalem now is speaking about the local this town and then Judea is the regional that reaches out beyond expressed in our campuses and then Samaria is cross-cultural there are many layers of life where people aren't like you cross-cultural they listen to different music to you I mean if you call it music you know but it's, it expresses a culture, all sorts of different cultures. And, uh, and we're so thankful that we have an expression of different cultures from nations in our church. It's brilliant. And we witness to them. And then the ends of the earth, international. Many of you know that we have international partners. We pray for them again this week on the prayer Zoom. And so right on the doorstep of the church, the need but then right across the earth, ministering to the ends of the earth. Who knows if one of the little ones we pray for this morning is going to be somebody that goes to the ends of the earth to share the Lord Jesus. And we increasingly grow by being informed, by being prayerful, by being supportive, by being generous, by being open, being willing. Fourthly, briefly, growing influentially. I saw a, Uh, global church conference a couple of years ago and this phrase was at the back. thought, oh, that's good. The church, you see, is not peripheral on the edge to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. thought, wonder where they got that from? Then I realized it was in the Message Bible, in Ephesians chapter 1. In other words, friends, God wants us to be influential. Make no mistake, the spirit of the age wants to marginalize the church. We understand that. It's voice, it's stance, it's purpose. But we must stay centred on Jesus, not believing for marginalisation, but multiplication. If I can say it with the greatest respect, and please hear what I don't say, with the greatest respect to the the, uh, uh, COP26 conference that's taking place in Glasgow at the moment, where people think ecology is the answer, of course we want to be responsible environmentalists, But ecology ultimately is not the answer. Theology is the answer rooted in Jesus Christ. Remember where we started? We said that everything finds its purpose and holds together in him. And finally, growing relationally. There's two verses there from a book in the Bible called Ephesians. Number one, connected to the head. We have people in our church that that work at the hospital in trauma units and they would be able to tell you that if there's any uh, injury to the head, then the consequences can be catastrophic. So, in the spiritual, we've got to keep connected to Jesus. And then to others, connected to others. We don't want an arthritic church, bone on bone, ooh, ooh, that reflects disunity. We want well-oiled joints that see everybody playing their part with harmony and unity. You have yet to bring your gift to the body of Christ and to play its part. Go and grow, love and serve our world. We have an absolute expectation that the youngsters that we've prayed over this morning are going to physically grow to expand to increase to develop to spring up as in the natural so in the spiritual it's God's heart that every one of us should grow in the faith growing spiritually maybe you need to make a start and become a follower of Jesus growing numerically not only this church but local churches all across our area growing 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 missionally the reach of the church to its doorstep, but also to the ends of the earth, growing influentially with a reasoned, wise voice that speaks into life's issues, and growing relationally to Jesus our Lord and to one another. Imagine for a moment, and please imagine, don't tell my theology's gone wrong for a moment, but imagine for a moment, some of you have been separated from loved ones for a long time because of the pandemic you weren't able to go and of course we've read heartbreaking stories of people on the other side of the world that have not been able to come and see etc etc and even sometimes with my own grandkids who I don't see perhaps as regularly as I'd like because of distance what's one of the first things you see is growth. I want you to imagine that God 12 months ago said I'm leaving arena church for 12 months he didn't He didn't, he didn't, (laughs) but I want you to imagine it for a moment, and this morning he burst back in through the door, almighty God burst back into the door, and the wonderful thing would be if God could say, wow, look how they've grown, look how they've grown, and we've got a final prayer to close, it's from the Bible. And this is my prayer, this is Paul talking, it's my prayer as well to the church this morning. This is my prayer, that your love may abound, grow in knowledge and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the days of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Let's keep growing. One of the ways we can grow is by a consistent commitment to the local church. It may be that you had a a fantastic meal last night, maybe a big takeout, a steak or something, but you're not saying, that's it for 12 months now. Because if you do that, you're not going to grow. You're going to eat again, probably today sometime. Maybe you've got a meal planned afterwards, a get together, a buffet, you know, just all those things. And it's the same with church. God does something in us as a miracle. Then we need, we need to feed it. 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 And one of the ways we do that is by regularly doing what we're doing this morning. And you know, sometimes you're not always aware of your own growth. And when you say to little children at times, wow, you've grown. They, they're not so sort of saying, yeah, no, I have. They're surprised. They don't realize it. They're just doing things... And then they realise that you've seen something in them. Honestly, if you will commit to faith in Christ, to growing in him, you will become all that God has intended you to be. It's part of his purpose to go and to grow, to love and serve our world.